My family and I have been with uh, Living Spring for about a year now, a little over a year. Uh, but I've been with the Free Methodist Church since 2002, and we have been doing youth ministry since 2004. So you can date back and, and guess my age, so good luck with that. And uh, as, as long as uh, we've been involved in youth ministry, we have tried several times to step away. But God's kind of funny, you know. He has a way of, of drawing you back in and calling you back into apparently what you should be doing. So that is how we serve here at Living Spring with you all. Uh, we serve alongside Jonathan with the youth ministry on Wednesday night. Um, so I have... Uh, I gave my life to Christ when I was about 19 or 20 years old. I was invited to a church where I was fully embraced by the members there. And, you know, they really loved on me with all that I was and all that I, I wasn't. And uh, I, at the time when I surrendered my life to Christ, uh, I walked away from an unhealthy relationship and I chose to become a single mother. So some of you may be wondering, why the heck would you do that? Well, you know, when you're desperate for Jesus, you will do some things that will not make sense to other people and will probably not make sense to you too. So um, I was a single mother. I was young. Uh, I, was, I was insecure. I was looked down upon. I was talked about because I was young, because I was a single mother, because I was insecure, and because I was on welfare, and we can keep going. Um, and I still needed a lot of love. I still needed a lot of guidance. And not just for show me, not, not for just someone to show me how to live life responsibly, but how do I live this new life with Christ? What does that mean? And what does that look like? And I needed to know that as I began my journey with Christ. And so the older generation in my faith community, and they really invested me. They took the time to pour into me, to pour into my kids, and that I really felt like I was part of the family, um, and I truly felt love. I believe that God sets us up. Amen. I believe he sets us up to help us, not just for our sake, but to help others and to fulfill his specific purpose. I believe that all that I was going through as a young person, he was taking me through a process. And during that process, it was preparing me for my calling. He was transforming me, and oh my goodness, he still is. And he still continues to do so. So here I am today. I am a product of what it could look like when you invest in the life of the younger generation. You never know what the impact you'll have on someone's life, right? Uh, so today, as we are nearing the end of 2019, wow, man, in just a few days, we're going to be entering into the new year, 2020. I mean, I remember when Princess Song came out in 1999. I thought cars would be flying. I mean, I watched, uh, what is that, Back to the Future. I mean, we have like electric cars now or, you know, whatever you call those charged cars, but okay, anyways. <laughs> it's not happening, all right. So anyhow, the message today I titled The Preparation 
process. And we're going to take a look at Exodus, Exodus chapter 13. Uh, and how the, the title came apart, uh, came a part of this message is because uh, prepare is, is an action. It's to make ready for a specific purpose, to set you up, set me up. And, and the process is a series of events or changes taking place to produce a result. Now, this message has, has fully spoken to me. And so the, here I am just being able to, to bring forth this message and share it with you all. So as you turn to uh, Exodus chapter 13, we're going to start on verse 17. And as you turn there, I'm going to just give you a quick background that will lead us up to the chapter we're going to be, uh, re- the, the passage we're going to be looking at. So Exodus is where we are first introduced to redemption. God, our Redeemer. Amen. God redeems his people by buying them out of slavery with the price, the death of the Passover lambs. Now, the Israelites, they were slaves in Egypt for about 400 years. And the central character is God's human agent, Moses. God had a great call on him. He was called by God to go and speak to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, about freeing his people from slavery and out of Egypt so that they may worship God. So Moses was to lead the Israelites into the promised land, which is Canaan. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened and would not let them go. So God released plagues. So when we reach chapter 11 and 12, God releases the last of the 10 plague, and that is called the plague of the firstborn. And so what happened was is that the, the plague of the firstborn is where God would wipe out every firstborn son in Egypt, including the cattle. So after Pharaoh's son was struck by this plague, he finally let them go. Praise God. So now here we are in chapter 13, where the Israelites are being led by God, and they are making their way out of Egypt. So let's go ahead and read that. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with them because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He had said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. After leaving Sukkoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Amen. So we have, we have just read that God led them. God led them after Pharaoh 
let them go. So it brings me to my first point, which is God's navigation system can be trusted. Now, have you ever used your navigation system, like maybe on your phone, your app, or your car? Anybody have fancy cars that does that? I guess all cars do that now, nowadays, almost. And you know how it gives you alternate roads, or like routes, like the shortest miles, the shortest time? How many of you pick the long run? The long one. Anybody pick the longest route ever? Say, ooh, I think I'll take the long route there. Yeah? You do, yeah. Okay, you got lost? Okay, that's what happens when you pick the long, no. When you, pick, when, you don't pick, when you pick the short route, I think that's what happened. Um, so what happens is that when the Israelites are set free, God leads them into the longest route. So they're set free, and you know where they go? The longest route, into the wilderness. They don't go straight to the promised land. They're taking the longest route ever into the wilderness. So the shorter and most direct route would have caused the Israelites to pass through the land of the Philistines in order to get to Canaan. We read here, it says, When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. So the best way I could show you the map, here's the road to Canaan, and then this is the route that God took them. So... They, went, they took this northern route. They, were, they could have taken this northern route that would have been shorter, faster. It is said it could have been a few days, maybe five days, and they would have ended up in the Philistine land. But God said, you know what? If I take them through that route, they're going to run into the Philistine uh, country. So he said, okay, I'm going I'm to take them down. So he, they went through a southern route instead, which is longest. So it was certain that if the Israelites had gone that route, though, the Philistines would have put up battle. So before they would allow the Israelites to cross, it's for certain the Philistines would have wanted to wage war against the Israelites before they let them pass. But God knew. God knew that. He knew that it would happen if they went through the shorter route. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. So why did he lead them towards the Red Sea and into the wilderness? Well, the Israelites, they weren't ready. They weren't ready. They weren't ready and they weren't fit. They weren't ready or fit to take that shorter route. They were physically and spiritually not capable for battle they were broken remember they had just been freed from slavery so and god still he still needed to prepare them set them up rebuild them work out their mentality their slave mentality before they reached the promised land so the red sea is is really really important so when the Israelites were set free from Egypt, the Egyptians came in and started pursuing them. They were being chased after by the Egyptians. So the Red Sea was important because it's where God's power would be displayed by saving Israel from the Egyptians. So this is where they reached the Red Sea and God would divide the sea so that Israelites, the Israel, uh, Israel could cross on dry land and the Egyptians could be drowned. 
And that's what we see in chapter 14. It says, when the, And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of God, of the Lord, a mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. You see, Israel had to experience God's power for themselves. Not just something that they hear about from other people. Not just something that, that somebody teaches them about. They had to experience it for themselves at that time. So this route was the best route because it was God's route. See, it's more about trusting God than understanding him. You could spend a lifetime trying to understand God. Let me know when you get there. I still am not sure. I try. But all I could do was trust him. Um, you know, I was reading a book, and I apologize. I don't know the name of the book. But it was about this gentleman. And he, went, he left on a journey to go seek out Mother Teresa. And she uh, was at the home uh, for the dying in Calcutta. And she was seeking him out because he wanted clarity on how he should live his remaining years. And so finally, he gets to meet Mother Teresa, and he's like, you know, Mother Teresa, I've, I've, come, I've come a long way, and I've journeyed from afar. And she said, what can I do for you? He said, pray for me. And she said, okay, what would you like, to, to, uh, what would you like me to pray for you for? And he said, clarity. And she said, no, I won't pray for you for that. And he was like, what? She said, it's the very thing that you have been holding on to. But you got to let go. I will not pray for you for that. He's like, but you've always, this gentleman says, but you've always had clarity. You've always seemed like you've known what to do. And she said, no, I'd never had clarity. I always had trust. So when we are going through some things, and I've been through some things these past year, when we're going through conflict, pain, suffering, even good things, it serves as an opportunity for us to grow in our trust in God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Amen? I think sometimes it seems we're too trusting, and I am so guilty of this myself, of our own navigation system to take us where we need to go whether it's my friends or your friends, whether it's your instincts, maybe you're going off of your experience, maybe it's your Google Maps or your app, Waze. How many of you guys use Waze? Uh, then, you know, we're more trusting of those things than we are of God. So there's ways, like the app ways, the directional ways, and then there's God's ways. You know, there's Google Maps and there's God's map. One is kind of technologically based, so it's likely you might get lost. But for certain, the other, God's ways, God's map, will get you right where you need to go. Amen.
Secondly, God's presence is guidance. It says, By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Now, I underlined that just for emphasis for our purposes, but it's not underlined in your Bible. Um, so it says here, God goes before them to give them light, to guide them and to give them light. So that as they traveled, whether during the day or night, God's presence was with them for direction and protection. Amen? So he was also their sustenance, their, their source of strength and their nourishment as they went through the wilderness. Those who God leads through the wilderness, he will be sure to take care of them. The word says he won't leave us nor forsake us. He won't abandon us. Amen. It says, neither the pillar of day, neither the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of the fire by night left its place in front of the people. Hallelujah. Yes, amen. See, the way we see our road, right? our human perspective, our human vision. We can only see so far ahead. You know, we can only see what's in right in front of us. Sometimes we can see a little bit further if you have awesome vision. I don't, but, you know, you can see only so far ahead. But, man, the way God sees, it's like satellite. Satellite. He's, he's above looking down. He doesn't just see our streets. He sees our roads our valleys, our mountains, and redirects us as he sees fit. And sometimes that redirection is not the shortest or quickest route. So as we go through our journey, we can be assured he is always with us. So, what does this all mean for us? What does it mean for us today, at least? God frees us from where we've been in order to get us to where we are supposed to be. And that's by means of the preparation process. So the time in between where we've been or even where we are today to where we're supposed to go or where we're supposed to be, that time in between, that's called preparation. Preparation. You know, God's promises for us, they never expire. But sometimes we would rather take the shortest and quickest route to get to our promised land even if it means being unprepared. Mm. We compromise, um, you know, or we're willing to just be not ready. Why are we such in a hurry? I don't know. I think that's just how we are living in this world right now. We're in a hurry. 
So when I was going through my fitness program a couple years ago, they had given us a, a meal plan, right? So every week you're given what you're supposed to eat every part of the day. Um, and so you prep the, the, your meals up for the week. Then the following week you do the same thing for every breakfast, lunch, and dinner snack. But um, then I noticed that there were some days I wouldn't meal prep. Um, and I started to gain unnecessary weight. Mm. All that work. Um, because I would eat whatever I want. I wasn't prepared. I would grab the quickest meal, go through drive through whatever was in the fridge. Um, and it's most of the time because I was in a hurry. I didn't want to take the time. I didn't have the patience to make a meal. I was no longer disciplined to keep my healthy boundaries. So, see, preparation is a process. It doesn't happen fast. It doesn't happen quick. It happens over time. But it's a process that we need to undergo so that we don't gain unhealthy and unnecessary weight. Now, I'm not just talking about pounds. Well, it could be pounds, too. Um, but it could be weight of, of things like maybe bad habits start. We start to pick that up. Maybe it's our bad attitude. Um, you know, it could be things like that. And that could be due to the lack of discipline or, or boundaries. See, God was trying to work that out of the Israelites uh, as they traveled through the wilderness. He was taking them through a process um, to work out their unhealthy mentality. A lot of it, it has to deal with how we think about things and how we see things or how we see people. See, the Israelites, they were physically free. But mentally, they were still in bondage. They were still imprisoned. They were free, but still the same people they were when they left Egypt. So the Holy Spirit will take us through that preparation process to cut off all those unnecessary things, those unnecessary weights. So, and what it begins to do is begins to refine us, build up our character, strengthen up, especially our spiritual man. Our spiritual man needs to be built up and make us ready for what is to come. So unless those layers get rebuilt and resurfaced, a solid foundation can't be laid. Um, we had a bathroom remodel. Any of you guys gone under construction? Ooh, I only agreed to my husband that we would buy this house if we remodeled everything. But we can't do it, right? It's expensive. It takes a lot of money and time and sacrifice to be able to do that. But we finally did our bathroom remodel. Praise God, because one didn't even have a shower head. Just had a spout. Mm -hmm. And the other one, like, you know the kind like when you open the door, it hits the toilet? Yeah. You guys all have nice bathrooms where the shower door opens nice and wide or slides. No, ours was hitting the toilet. Yeah, and you kind of squeezed your way up. Um, I mean, even for me, I think Marquise was able to see over. I was hitting my elbows. It was just, it was small, it was bad. But anyhow, so the remodel took place. 
And uh, the contractor comes and he says, Miss um, McCraw, I need you to come take a look at this. I was like, sure. I go in there and I'm like, hmm, what is all this black stuff I'm looking at? Yes, mold, black mold had spread all throughout the walls. And he says, I'm like, great, I'm gonna take it out, right? He's like, well, um, it's not just in the walls. The mold had been so bad, it had affected the frame, the actual structure that created my bathroom. He says, I have to take this all out. I was like, ah, oh, okay. So more money, more time, and we had to basically say, well, I guess we're not getting floors. Our floors are concrete. We have no carpet. It's literally concrete. And I was like, okay, we won't have floors. We'll just walk on concrete. So they had to take it out. Um, and they had to rebuild. They had to put up a brand new structure before restoring the bathroom to new. What happens when we go through that remodeling process, even with ourselves, and as the Holy Spirit takes us through that preparation process, there's gonna be some exposure to some underlying issues that we never knew was there. It had been growing, it probably had been spreading, it had been hidden until the walls are broken down. Some very toxic things that could be affecting our health, our spiritual life, our character, our finances, our home. Some so toxic, a complete overall, it has to be done. This means a complete demo of what was once there must be removed in order for a full, healthy restoration to take place. So I don't want to leave you hanging. I want to leave you some things to help all of us along our way. Um, so how are we to go through this process? Well, first thing would be, maybe, all right, I just surrender because that's number one. <laughs> surrender. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to surrender. Surrender is number one, surrender. Not by fighting. Because you're not going to win. You're not going to win. Not by fighting. Surrender. Allowing him to take lead. Allow him to take lead. Number two, commit. Commit. Commit the process to God. And lastly, trust God. Trust God. Maybe that could be our new prayer for today. God, help me to trust you. Trust his process because the Holy Spirit goes before us. Amen. Um, as the worship team comes back, um, usually we, we take this time uh, to fill out the connection card, but I actually want to be able to use this time too as well to um, have us reflect on some things. Is that okay with you? What 
preparation process are you going through? What have you been maybe going through? Maybe you've something you just experienced today or yesterday. Two weeks before Christmas, I was laid off from my job. But it's a blessing. It could be. <laughs> my bathroom is done. <laughs> Uh, I was commuting really far, so it's a blessing in disguise, and then my husband got a new job offer. Isn't that funny? I get laid off, and he gets a new job. That's funny like that. Man, I love him. Amen. So what preparation process are you going through right now? Are you willing to allow God to lead you through, even if it's not the shortest route? or the quickest. And last of all, will you trust him? Will you trust him? Amen.